This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris well, 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 we survived another weekend. We made it back. The podcast is here. Despite all the uh, efforts of big tech and whatever the powers to be to take out anything that doesn't go along with the mainstream message, we're still here, still banging it out. I, I have an update to, to give you on the status of the podcast. Very uh, interesting. Who's that guy? Dave uh, Ruben, Dave Ruben, he's good. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a fan, not because I don't like him. I just, uh, haven't really had much of an occasion to listen to Dave Rubin, but the bits that I have have been good. And he was talking about the shadow banning and, uh, I'm going to get into that a little bit later. In the meantime, it was a great weekend. Uh, just before I, I started to record here, I did a, a massive stretch and, um, we had a great weekend. The weather here was phenomenal. Uh, a buddy of mine stopped by on Friday night. And then Saturday night, I went over to his place for a little bit. We hung out by the fire uh, here at my house. I had some big logs that I had procured. Uh, some of these are like 18-inch logs, you know. And then I have some others that are you know, like four feet long, like eight inches. Was that, have I ever ta- talked to you about this with the burning the big wood? You know, if you're out there messing around with your little chimney, uh, <laughs> God bless you. You know, I guess the the ambiance and the crackling, but that's not a fire in my book. And, uh, you know, we don't get too fancy. I just dug a, a hole in the ground, which I, I am actually going to move into something more sophisticated, I think. I don't know if I'm going to get to it this year. I've, I've got a plan. I'm not going to get into that right now. But I do want to tell you that the ambiance of burning big logs is just so much more enjoyable. It really is. It's just a, it's a unique experience. The heat and uh, the scale of it, and um, it just feels more like a, a, a proper fire. I don't know what to, to say. It's a lot different than burning split wood. You need split wood to get it going. But anyway, we had some great fires. We did some axe throwing, did some uh, horseshoes, which... Um, I got uh, beat pretty badly in both, but what are you going to do? And uh, take it as it comes. I had a good time either way. I don't know what happened with the axe throwing. I had my moments where I was really dialed in and then uh, just couldn't seem to keep it together to win. We, like, had had the line, the throwing line, like, seven feet away from the target. Two, you know, old guys, half blind, throwing axes in the dark. What could go wrong? I don't know. No, we did all right. We were hitting them. I had a, I had a couple of bullseyes, so I was happy with that. But anyway, uh, the movement of all that, a lot of sitting and then moving big logs, which are heavy, of course, and even turning that fire, right? We, I did it with the big, uh, my 30-pound my digging bar and uh, used that to turn the big logs. Well, it's, you know, it's wrenching on your back and then you're sitting and then throwing it's a weird you know uh movements and things like that so my back uh was just really really tight in my legs and my hips and so before i got started here i thought you know let me do a good stretch 
And let me, I, the reason, part of the reason why I'm bringing it up, you know, many, many men over what, age 40 have back issues. I mean, it's just such a common problem, back issues of one kind or another. Well, my back has taken a beating and I'm over 50. Uh, I've done a lot. I've, you know, been pretty physical my whole life. A lot of banging, pounding, hiking, whatever, and uh, jumping around, knocking around, whatever. And it's definitely taking its toll on my back, my lower back, my mid back, my upper back, my shoulder. It's all sore, you know. And uh, I get very tight. But let me give you what I think is is a really great basic stretch. And I'm not a doctor. I'm just telling you what works for me, all right, my body type, my life experiences or whatever. Here's kind of my basic stretch foundation. And I found it to be phenomenal. I really have. So the first step is the hangs. And you've heard me talk about this. I don't know what medical limitations there are on on just hanging from a bar, dead hangs, we call those. Uh, And there's lots of different ways you can do that. I'm not going to get into that right now, but I've just found it to be the most incredible way for men, particularly. I'm sure it works fine for women, too. It's just upper body strength-wise. It's just well-suited for men to just hang. And I'll tell you, uh, some of the secondary benefits are the grip strength that you develop with it, and I, I feel like it's good for my shoulders. But the basic point of it is to stretch out your back. And I've learned that, and my chiropractor told me this, I see my chiropractor every week. We become good friends, and he takes good care of me. Uh, he, you know, you don't always just want to just drop it right into a hang. Sometimes it's better just to ease yourself into it. And that's what I was doing uh, right before I started here. Just a, I, I have a, a, a place to hang uh, on the steps that, that come down to the studio. And uh, I just I keep my feet on the step behind me, and I just gradually stretch that out, hang in there for like five minutes, partial body weight, and then lower it down into full extension. And that basic stretch and that hanging, I just, I'm telling you, for, for my grip strength, for my arms, for my shoulders, it, it pulls me back upright. You know, it's like as you get older, you, your shoulders round over and your head leans forward and your belly's hanging out. You know, what, what's that, uh, remember Al Pacino and Scarface? And then you're going to look down and there's breasts. <laughs> like, what happened to me? And some of you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, when none of us beats father time, you know, you got to stay at it, man. You know, it, it takes a lot to be hardcore. You don't become hardcore talking about it, sitting around on the sofa. So hanging, right? That's the basic. I just, it stretch, it pulls those vertebrae apart and uh, puts a little relief on on the spine. I, like I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm just telling you it's a great stretch. So I start with that. And then I bend down and touch my toes, which I really can't do if I keep my legs perfectly straight. And so what I do is I do bend my legs a little bit and I try to touch the floor and I hold that. And I just same thing. I don't just dive right now. I just slowly work to take my time. And uh, if I'm really tight, I'll push my feet apart a little bit. And you say, I can't touch my toes. Most people can't. You really can't. It's hard, especially as you get older. Some people, they're fortunate. They're very flexible. 
uh, and they can do it. But anyway, it's good to do that motion anyway. So the hangs, and then I bend over and touch my toes. And then I take a, a wood stick. It's actually a piece of beech wood I got from a camping trip. We were using to stoke the fire, and I liked it so much as a walking stick. I've kept it with the end burnt to this day. And what I do is I put my hands over my head, and I spread my arm, my hands way out about as far as I can reach. Right? So I'm like making a big Y. And then I do a deep squat with my hands up over my head holding on that stick. And let me tell you, it stretches everything. Your ankles, your knees, your hips, your groin, your lower back, it, it, your upper back, your shoulders out. And um, I just hold that. And that's another movement that's just really good. If you do some research on it, the hanging, the bend, stretch. Uh, touching your toes and squatting. You really should be trying to do it like on a daily basis. I don't do it every day, but I do it a lot of days. And uh, I added some other stretches in that I can't even really describe, and I don't want to get too into today. But I wanted to mention those three basics. If you don't know how to stretch, um, and if you got health issues, please don't think, you know, I don't want anybody to go, hey, you know, I tried the hangs and ripped my shoulder, my arms out of the sockets. I, you know, talk to your doctor or, what, you know, your spouse or your mom or whatever you got to do to get the proper clearance. You know, this isn't a fitness program. I'm just telling you what works for me. Hanging, bending, and squatting. And it, it seems so basic, but as you get older, you'll find that you're really not doing it very much. You know, a kid... You take a two-year-old, they're squatting down 400 times an hour. When was the last time you squatted down? You're like, hmm, you're working in an office or from home. You're like, squat down. Oof. I think I would hurt my knee. You got to do it. You got to do it. I don't know. If you have bad knees, maybe you shouldn't. But, you know, be careful. I don't know. I don't want to get sued. I don't want anybody upset with me. You said. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I said I was stretching. Feels good though. It's just it, like it, I could like feel the blood flowing there. I was stretching for probably a good half hour. I went through a couple of repetitions of that basic, and I stretched out my neck further, and my hips, and my groin, my hamstrings, and my my thighs, my quadriceps. Stretched it all out. It was good. Felt good. Just like uh, it's amazing how the circulation comes back, and you just feel so much better. I really do. So. Where are we here? I wanted to uh, talk about a couple things before I get back on some of the stories that we were talking about. September 11th yesterday, and uh, really kind of sad that uh, it's just it's being forgotten, right? People said they would never forget, and it is it is being forgotten. And this is a big problem if you look back through history, uh, particularly biblical history. When people forget, when people forget why, when people forget why things are important, it, it it results in history repeating itself. And I don't know that September 11th is going to repeat itself. You know, there's the whole uh, theory that that it's a um, you know false flag event. And, you know, when you look at the information presented by the false flag groups, it's pretty convincing, actually. It really is. You know, you look at the, the, the looking at it at face value, the way the story's told, it's almost harder to believe than the conspiracy theory, really. Either way, either way, I can tell you from my wife's family that is from New York, my wife was in New York on September 11th. 
if you lived during that day, you remember it. I remember it well. I remember it very well. It, it was uh, very triggering. I, for me, it was. I, you know, the, the country, it felt like it was under attack. You didn't know what was going to happen next. Everything came to a halt. You remember that? There was no plane. Everything got eerily quiet. Lasted for people like renting cars to get home to their families, stranded all over the place. It was nuts, really. And luckily, it, it ended quickly. And I, I had said back then, I'll say it now, you know, if the terrorists had had their act together a little bit, and if they had planted a couple of car bombs at that same time at, like, the Mall of America, here where we are, we have the King of Prussia Mall, things like that, a couple of strategic places around the country, in addition to the September 11th ta- attacks, maybe a truck bomb or two into a couple of government buildings, they would have brought the whole country to its knees. Do you realize that? That's how fragile things are. It's a very, very fine line. Every day we wake up, we take these things for granted. And I want you to think about this a second. Not really why I brought it up. Uh, but think about if, if the terrorists um, were to be organized enough um, that they would have arranged a few hit teams, a few truck bombs, a few uh, car bombs in malls and shopping areas and government buildings. It wouldn't take much. You know, if you had, if, if you figure uh, uh, September 11th happened, and it was freaky, right? You're like, boom, plane hits all over the news. Boom, second plane. Everybody's like, oh, boy, this is no joke. Uh, plane down in Pennsylvania. What? What is going on? Plane hits the Pentagon. Remember this? Imagine if it would have kept going. Reports of a, of a car bomb at the Mall of America, all shoppers ordered to evacuate, uh, residents in the area told to lock down, uh, truck bomb strikes a federal courthouse in Texas. Could you imagine if this had happened like this? The next morning, overnight, three buildings set on fire, right? You'd be freaked out. Nobody would be doing anything. Here's what I want to ask you about this. With the open borders, how vulnerable are we to that kind of thing happening? Now, I'd like to think that as far as a plane attack like September 11th, hopefully we're a little bit more, a lot of bit more insulated. Although with the pilot shortage, how many more foreigner pilots that we don't know their backgrounds and origins? And, you know, not that... Uh, you know, white people aren't capable of heinous crimes, for sure. We know that. Spread out pretty evenly. But either way, we're we not vulnerable to a rogue pilot, a little bit different scenario than what happened in September 11th. I'd like to think that it would be a little bit harder to carry out something like September 11th. But as far as an attack using vehicles and other methods, hmm, 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 hmm. Seems to me that we're as vulnerable as ever. Truck bomb at a, at a power plant outside of Kansas, a meat processing facility set on fire. You know, you could just go, how vulnerable are these places? How, how limited is the security? You don't know. You don't know. And every day, there's just uh, however many people, thousands and thousands pouring across the border. Nobody knows who these people are. 
Nobody knows who their backgrounds are. And nobody thinks that that's dangerous? Anyway, September 11th, we said we'd never forget. I'm going to say it's pretty well firmly forgotten. I don't see Joe Biden making a big stink of it. I don't know. Did he say anything? I didn't even check it out. I found this little story in my in my notes. Before we get back into the news here, I want to pick up on some of the headlines I didn't get to last week. A lot of important things going on that I think you should be aware of. It's really fascinating how this story's carrying out. But before I do that, I, I saw this in my notes, a little story about mindset. And uh, I wanted to share because I, I think it's kind of central to what's going on with our, our country, probably the world right now. And here's the story. A a man found a a cocoon of a butterfly, and one day he noticed that a small opening appeared in this this cocoon. If you've ever seen it, they're usually white, kind of looks like spun wool or something like that, or cotton or something like that. I think it looks more like wool or something like that, usually. And this is what the cocoon, one side, of course, is a butterfly. And the guy sees a little opening, and he sees a... He watched this thing for a few hours, and he sees that the, the butterfly's in there struggling trying to get through this little tiny hole. And then it just stopped. There was no progress. Kind of just looked like the butterfly was stuck. And so the guy, he thinks he's going to be a good guy, and he decides he's going to help. He's going to help this butterfly. And so he gets a little a little dainty pair of scissors, you know, and uh, and he takes and he, and he snips a little, little bit of the cocoon, makes a little cut. And sure enough, the, the butterfly... Pops right out, comes right out very easily, helped the butterfly. And the body was all swollen, and the, the wings were shriveled up, but there it was alive. And so the guy, he, he didn't think anything of it. He was kind of sitting there waiting for the wings to grow out and, and support the butterfly so it could fly away, but it never happened, never happened at all. The butterfly spent the rest of its life. It was never able to fly. It crawled around with these with these tiny wings that never developed and this big swollen body. And the guy he thought he was being a good guy, uh, but he didn't understand that the, the cocoon had to go through that process, that, that working its way through that opening was the natural way of forcing fluids from the body into the wings to prepare it for flying once it was out of the cocoon. And the guy didn't know this. And so the moral of the story is, that our struggles in life develop our strengths. And without struggles, we never grow, we never get stronger. And so it's important for us to tackle challenges on our own, not relying on help from others. And I'll tell you, this story, to me, speaks on a lot of things. And uh, I have a good friend who has, uh, he's an Army Vietnam veteran, has neuropathy. And if you know anything about it, it's pretty painful. And anyway, he's got to go in and get a tongue biopsy today, actually, as you're listening to this. And uh, I said, they knock you out for that. And he said, no. And I said, uh, he said, they just numb it. I said, oof, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt after they're done, too. And he basically stick like a corkscrew in there is the way he said it. I said, you know what? I said, "Tell tell him to skip the numbing. He says, what? I said, just take it. Just tell him to stick that thing in there. And while he's doing it, look that doctor right in the eye. Don't ever take your eyes off him. And when he's done, tell him to do it again. Tell him you want another one. 
You know, back in the Civil War, people were getting their legs cut off in, in field surgeries with no anesthesia. Today, people get a, a little paper cut, and they're, oh, they need an Oxycontin. And this is the beginning of the problem. Nobody ever developed their wings anymore. Everybody wants a pill, a potion, somebody to bail them out. Help me. Everybody's got a cause. How about just a little work? How about a little toughness? How about a little mental toughness, physical toughness? How about sucking up a little bit? How about working hard? You know, I wonder how many people in this country anymore in the last 30 days haven't even broke a sweat. It's been summertime here. Sweltering heat, climate change, yeah? How many people are actually sweating? As a percentage of the population, how many actually got out there and did something difficult to actually push themselves a little bit? They say, well, I'm not, I'm not young like that. I don't care. What difference does it make? What, because all of a sudden, when you turn 70, you turn into a wussy? I don't think so. All of this is preparing us, right? If you have any faith, you know that this is the preparation for the next stage, right? This is the, we're in the cocoon now. Soon we will fly. we got to develop our wings. And then I look at it, so that's kind of the personal side of it. And believe me, that little rant is as much me reminding myself as it is reminding you. It's hard. Life is hard, right? Every day you got to get up, and every day it gets a little harder, right? The aches, the pains, oof, you know? But you got to go. You got to face it head on, and you got to say, hey, I'm going to squeeze through that little hole. When I come out of there, I'm going to have some wings, and it's going to be glorious. It really is. And I think that the same with the approach to other people, and this is the other thing that I wanted to mention. I was having a conversation about this last week. And the county here is going to pump a ton of money into homelessness. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to create more homelessness. And they're going to need more money. They're going to need more money for funding it because the people involved never developed their wings. It's the same problem. You know, uh, I listened to a guy talking. What he wanted to do, he was making the case. He's very passionate, by the way. They, this organization that he's part of helps a lot of homeless veterans. So don't don't give me the woke liberal nonsense, although he probably was. But, you know, I respect the fact that this guy was, was pretty selflessly helping other people. I respect that part. But there's a part that he didn't understand, just like the guy who, who, who cut the cocoon. And I'm not saying it's everybody. So there's people that genuinely need help. I've discussed this with you before. You know, if you've got a a learning disability and even a mild physical disability, let's say you can't drive and and you're not going to get a $60,000, $80,000 a year job probably ever in most cases. Uh, And for whatever reason, you've got a hard life. I've talked about this before. So there are people that genuinely need help, but there's many that they need to, to work themselves through their struggle. You know what I'm saying? That they really need to feel it. And I think that these tent cities and allowing people to lay around and do drugs and, and everything that goes with it, I think it's wrong. And when you make the decision that you're going to cut the cocoon, that you're going you're gonna to take the burden of the struggle, well, you also take responsibility for the consequences, whether directly or indirectly.
And this is the problem with this, with, with, with enabling. You think, oh, we're going to help the people. they good mental mental health issues. Yeah, because they've been doing the heroin all day, every day for 25 years. Yeah, you're probably going to come out of that with a little mental illness. You've been living in a tent city for, for, for years, and you say, well, yeah, you're going to come out of that with some emotional issues. But I think, you know, encouraging people in strong ways to say, no, you cannot lay around, you cannot sleep in the woods, you need to go get a job, you need to get to work, and you need to be a productive member of society. And I don't know, maybe the jails and the prisons have gotten too comfortable. I saw a story the other day, I've spoken about this in the past, a guy, uh, face all tattooed up, went up and just cut a woman in a Walmart shopping line, and he said because he wanted to go back to jail. You know, why not? If they have access to drugs, they can't, I don't, you know, they're not allowed to work or whatever. I guess they do little stuff in certain places. I don't know. It's just, uh, but, you know, they they have a culture. They're provided for. You say, screw it. I'm going to sit out here on the streets and rot out in the open with no, you know, I got to, I got to try and find a place to live and. And how hard it can be. The whole thing needs to be revamped. It really does. I'm a big believer in tough love. And this story, it illustrates why. Everybody has to develop their wings. We all have to go through those struggles. You know, anybody that's um, lived a life really could tell you in some way or another, typically, about some kind of a struggle. So there's one last point I wanted to make about this story. And uh, let's hope that in the natural course of things, that this struggle that our, our country is experiencing right now, uh, that out of it we're going to pop through on the other side to something spectacular. I'll tell you one little thing in that regard, too, and then I'll get into these stories. Uh, more and more people I talk to believe that this country is paying a heavy penalty for the many, many abortions that, that took uh, place here since Roe v. Wade. It's really interesting to me. Uh, let's hope that the country is going through a, a repentance and that uh, out of it is going to come something fantastic. In the meantime, there's some, some heavy problems to deal with. But anyway, I thought that story was uh, interesting and uh, maybe kind of just give you a little different perspective on things, certainly than the normal news. So, of course, the queen is dead. I could give a hoot, honest to goodness. This means nothing to me. I did think it was interesting, though, I'll mention this, that the Daily Mail printed uh, Trump said that she was a legend and how incredible it felt to him to meet her. I've never really understood this idea of worshiping people. It just very much goes against my way of thinking. It goes against my philosophical view. I don't see anything special about this woman. I don't know anything about her. I'm not saying she's a bad person. I don't understand how uh, some birthright enabled hers to somehow rule over people. And, of course, uh, the monarchy today is nothing like it was at one time. But why does Britain hold on to this? What's the point? You know, why, what this, it's a, this ceremonial king and queen, and then you got this uh, Meghan Markle nonsense and that whole story, and now they're here, and we're getting sucked into it. What do these people do? What do they create? What do they do to benefit society? I'm not getting it. So I think it's great that Trump is able to say uh, she was a legend, and and this is all very nice and, and great, and kumbaya, 
I could care less. It doesn't do anything for me. I don't see what it means to us. Uh, I guess for the people of England that, uh, you know, uh, sorry for your loss. I, I don't know what to say. Uh, but anyway, moving on to other things. This is a big, big story. Lots of big legal stories. was on the radio on Friday with a guy named Andrew Teitelman. And uh, he's an attorney. He had some interesting things to say. You know, Steve Bannon? Steve Bannon got charged up in New York. Did I talk about this on Friday? I think I might have mentioned it. And uh, first of all, he was already pardoned on the same charges. The charges are that he, uh, something along the lines of, I don't even know the details, uh, improprieties regarding $25 million of charitable funds that he was involved in raising for the border wall. And supposedly it was a political action group, and, and I don't know, but uh, they don't seem to be going after BLM in the same way. Some seem to have gone after BLM, by the way. I don't know that they've been completely unscathed. It just doesn't really get talked about much as part of our media. Right? They don't just tell you what they want you to know. And there's a whole thing I could go into, by the way, the they of the media and the they of big tech. Who is it? Ethnically speaking, there's a lot of finger pointing going on. I don't feel like getting into that today. Um, Judge gives Fauci 21 days to turn over emails with social media giants. So uh, within a couple of days here, there's been some fantastic legal cases. Bannon charged. Uh, So my question, he's already pardoned on that. I asked Andrew Teitelman, is that double jeopardy? He said, eh, kind of, sort of, maybe. Of course, it's always the, the legal question. Bannon seems undeterred. Uh, they keep charging him and, uh, you know, all these other things, but I, he's not in jail. I don't know what the result of these things are. It's kind of like with Trump, you know, subpoena and, and FBI, uh, you know, storms. See, they don't, these guys don't blink. As long as you don't blink, uh, they really, there's nothing they could do in these cases. They really can't. They're gonna, you know, this is where they say they get you. Look at how many uh, of these uh, events have taken place these political hit jobs by the FBI, and what do they end up getting people on? Lying to the FBI. In other words, shut up and tell them a damn thing. You know, if, if the FBI showed up here uh, with with a warrant, um, you know, whatever, I would just you know, you're not going to do anything at that point. You're going to deny them. They're going to come in with their guns and the overwhelming force, and we're going to get into a shootout with the FBI. It's ridiculous. Go ahead, execute your warrant and do your thing. What do you have to say? Nothing. I have nothing to say. What do I have to say? You'll be hearing from my lawyer. And uh, anyway, uh, but people handle it differently, and then the next thing you know, they're going, oh, yesterday you said. (laughs) I don't know how that goes about. They're probably master craftsmen at it. But anyway, uh, Bannon... Uh, and then Trump's case against Hillary Clinton was dismissed. Uh, very interesting case there. A little disturbing, actually, in my opinion. And then this one. The judges ruled that Fauci has 21 days to turn over emails. Um, and then you have this whole legal fight also going on with the master being appointed over the, the Trump uh, raid there at Mar-a-Lago. And... Uh, the judge has kind of put the clamps down. The DOJ is fighting. It looks like it's going to happen. 
Uh, this has pretty much completely undermined this investigation, this judge's ruling. I mean, any idea that this is going anywhere against Trump is ridiculous. Meanwhile, they turned around and filed more, another investigation or whatever against Trump and a, and a fundraising uh, pack that, that, he, that he has. And raising money, I, I think the, the pattern that they're creating uh, is this idea of an insurrection. And I think that there may be some effort to try and deny him from uh, running again under the 14th Amendment. Let me talk about this a second. Um, 14th uh, Amendment, here it is. I, was gonna, I wasn't going to go into this, but uh, I, I think you should know. Simplified summary and text. That's not what I want. Uh, the 14th Amendment is, uh, I guess they call it the Civil Rights Act of 1866. No, what is this? I just want the uh, basic text here. Why is that so difficult? Da 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 da. Loss of citizenship. Affiliation with anti, where is the actual tax dog on it? Ah, you know, I'll tell you what. It's unbelievable. I don't want the overview. Section 4 text, here it is. All right, Library of Congress. The validity of the public debt of the United States... Authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services and suppressing insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned. The validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services and suppressing insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned. But neither the United States nor any state shall assume or pay any debt or obligation incurred in aid of insurrection or rebellion against the United States, or any claim or the loss of emancipation of any slave, but all such debts, obligations, and claims shall be held illegal and void. Um, That's not the section that uh, I wanted, the disqualification clause. Here you go. This is the one that I wanted. This is uh, 14th Amendment, Section 3. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who have previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature, as an executive or judicial officer of any state, to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each House, remove such disability. So I don't know how the disability actually gets engaged. If you understand what I just read to you there, they're basically going to say, have engaged in insurrection or rebellion Right, that they barred from running again. That's right. The insurrection, the the armed insurrection. It was there was no armed insurrection. You know, certainly mostly peaceful by liberal standards. Uh, it's interesting, and these these are, you know, Civil War era laws that you know are now being looked at again. Is it something that they're going to ever get to with Trump? 
I think they'll try whatever they have to. It's a death sentence for uh, for Democrats that they just uh, they can't handle. But around the world, there seems to be this uh, rise of, of conservatives that um, we'll see. We'll have to just have to wait and see. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, this law was used here to draw. I thought I mentioned this before. A county commissioner in New Mexico was convicted uh, in January 6th capital incursion, entering a restricted area. I don't think this guy did anything. I don't think that he did anything uh, physical or attacked anybody. Um, Acquitted on a second charge. What was he charged with? Nonviolent misdemeanor conviction. 14 days in jail. Political activist acquitted of a second charge of disorderly and disruptive conduct. But then the judge barred him from ever holding office. Pretty fascinating to me. You're going to see more of that. Uh, I know that in Bucks County here, uh, the county next to me, that uh, uh, a guy, a woman who was convicted down there is running for office. So I wanted to mention this story. I'm going to run out of time here today, which is fine. I don't need to get too deep into this. Uh, Louis Vuitton versus Portland. The luxury brand won't pay its 2020 taxes after protesters ransacked the store. And I guess the argument, I don't know the details of what their claim is, owes Portland $23,000 in business taxes and penalties. Uh, combined, the company is $42,000 behind in its 2020 tax payment. Um, does not indicate exactly why Louis Vuitton has refused to pay its taxes. The company has not addressed the question questions from the media, but Portland media outlets have noted that the taxes in question are from 2020, the year of Louis Vuitton and many other downtown businesses were badly damaged by looting. The protests of May 29th turned into a riot during which rioters broke into the high-end Pioneer Place Mall and raided stores. Viral video of the riot showed a crowd of people, mostly wearing masks, ransacking the Louis Vuitton store and fleeing with luxury bags and other items. And so they're not paying their taxes. Businesses fed up. Businesses have a lot of clout. What happens if there's a massive number of people that stop paying taxes? either because they can't or won't, either because they're unable or unwilling. What happens in that scenario? That's where the true civil war becomes, in my opinion. The real attack, like, you know, Biden said, you want to take on the federal government, you better add some F-18s or whatever he said. Uh, Well, we have a checkbook. (laughs) Well, we'll take the money out of your bank account. Well, there's only so far all that can go. You know, where people are going to throw up their hands and say, we'll just go live off the land. We'll go live and be simple farmers because uh, this whole system has gotten so corrupted that it just doesn't offer any value to anybody anymore. If you can't raise your families, you can't support yourself. And there's a lot of segments where this is happening right now. It really is. Very quickly as well. I've talked about this many times, but the cost of living here where we're at, New York and and, uh, the West Coast, already uh, largely gone through this. Miami, you know, where the the home prices are so ridiculously high. 
And here where we were at, you know, it was going up like everywhere, but it wasn't like that. But you know what? It's gotten this high. As a matter of fact, there were some uh, new apartments, luxury apartments that were, were built here near us. And uh, my mother-in-law, who lives in Manhattan, looked at it. You know, it's kind of just a, a quick consideration, maybe move down here from Manhattan to be a little closer to her daughter and granddaughter and whatnot. Do you know that the rents were higher than in Manhattan? Right? Outside of Philadelphia, suburban Philadelphia. And you see it with the home price. I mean, pretty much the price that we paid for our property here, uh, townhomes around here are approaching the same cost. In some cases, even higher. It blows my mind, really. How are young families supposed to support this thing? How are people supposed to create any kind of an in-future when you wake up tomorrow and the value of your money is a fraction of what it was the day before? And you're working and you see nothing for it. Sooner or later, people are going to revolt against that. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. I sure hope to see you there. In the meantime, make it a great day. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.